absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan, and I got a special guest on tonight, junior golfer Ty Boone. You probably know him from his Instagram accounts. You've probably seen him on YouTube. He's everywhere. Uh, a burgeoning junior golfer in the state of Montana, which I think is just awesome. Uh, I've been out there. It's phenomenal. We're going to talk some of that tonight on the pod. We're going to talk about how he got into golf, talk about his Instagram, his YouTube accounts, and kind of where he sees himself in the future. And what I'm really interested in is a junior golfer's perspective on some of the issues that are currently going on in golf distance pace of play etc cetera, etc cetera. um so sit back enjoy and uh we got ty boone ty how's everything going everything's great thanks for having me on the podcast yeah of course man uh is you know very cool i'm glad we finally got to kind of hook up and uh you know we met through instagram and through instagram i kind of was turned on to your youtube account um you're a busy kid dude yeah, um, it's definitely kind of hard to balance school, golf, YouTube, you know. It, yeah, it, it's fun, though. So now we were talking before the pod, and you kind of blew me away because you're such a well-spoken kid. And, you know, I, I, I thought, hey, you know, he's a high school golfer. I said, "How you know, how's the high school golf team going? And you told me you were in what grade? I'm in eighth grade right now. All right, so that's that's wild. You uh, you now hold the distinction of being the youngest guest ever on the Leave the Pin podcast. Um, so that's phenomenal in its own right. So what's what's junior tour golf like in Montana? Yeah, so um, you definitely have to like keep the tournaments really stacked into a schedule, like really together. You don't get a lot of time to in between tournaments to practice and. Yeah, I mean, there's not there's we have a pretty good golf community up here, and there's some pretty good there's some pretty good competition with other junior golfers. So, it, it's definitely fun, and it's definitely a shorter season than Florida or whatever, you know. Yeah, I guess most people don't consider Montana, you know, kind of a hotbed of yeah. junior golf. And yeah, you talked right, you talked about that condensed schedule, so. I know you're having a phenomenal winter. You said it was 50 degrees out there today, yeah. not snow. But what is the normal golf season like for you in Montana? Um, so usually, I say usually we can get out and golf um, at the end of May, maybe middle of May. So like this is, it's insane that's February and we can go out and golf. Like it really is. And then I'd say... High school season begins in August, and it ends. I uh, say it ends around the end of October, I think, and that's about when the golf season actually ends here. Um, like this year for state, the high school state tournament, there was snow all over the course. So whenever the kids would have to putt, they'd have to clear off their line to actually putt. So yeah. Okay, so there's actually kind of a, a viral Instagram video that was from the Montana State yeah. Golf Tournament, right? You've seen that as well? Oh, yeah. 
yeah. it, it was literally blowing sideways. Uh, yeah. The snow was collecting so fast, and they just play through it like it's nothing. Um, I know. It was... I'm, ass- I'm assuming that's something that you guys kind of got to get used to, right? Oh, yeah. Um, like, definitely um, next year, hopefully, it isn't like that um, for me. But, I mean, we – I have a coach, and he tells me all the time to practice – when it's 30, 35 degrees out, just because state is definitely in that weather. So it's just kind of so, what we have to get, up, get, get used to up here. Yeah, there's there's a lot of golfers right now that are going to listen to this that are just cringing at the <laughs> fact of playing in 30-degree weather. Um, unfortunately, you know, I'm across the country from you, but I understand yeah. that, you oh, know, yeah. just as well. I, I get 35 degrees in the winter. And I think it's a, you know, a, a heat wave. Yeah. And so it's, it's super difficult for guys in the South or, or the Southwest <clears throat> or even the West Coast for people to understand, you know, what it's like to grind. But I think it, it's something that is kind of inherent in golfers that live in, let's say, non-golf states. And yeah. As awesome as some of Montana golf is, it's probably definitely a non-golf state. You don't really associate oh, yeah. golf with Montana. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say it's more of a football state, but I mean, honestly, Montana's really in the middle of nowhere. We don't really have a big city, so it's kind of just like a ranching state more than a more than a sports state. So, how many how many kids do you normally get in a junior tournament there? Um, it, it definitely depends on how, like, important the tournament is. So, like, for the average tournament, for my age, I would say we get between 10 and 15. But, like, okay. for state, like, obviously there's qualifying for state, but in the actual state tournament, I think there was, I think there were 22, maybe 23. So, I feel like, I don't really know how to compare that to other states, but for me, that was definitely a lot, I felt like. And so how many kids, like, how many kids are on your high school team? Um, I think, so, there's a varsity and a JV team. On the varsity team, I think there, there are five spots. And then the JV, there are seven. So there's, like, there are 12 kids that make the team. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. In that tryout or something? Around yeah, that. that's... That's not that different from, you know, teams here and whatnot. Teams will carry 20, 25 kids. But like you said, it's five spots that score. Um, You know, for us, it used to be six or so. And I used to coach high school golf. So, you know, I had, you know, I had a very non-golf school, if you will. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I'd get get 10 or 11 kids to come out. And by the end of the year, I'd have like eight or nine, you know, (laughs) left over. Yeah. But um, no, that's that's not that's not that different, uh, you know, which is cool because then that gives you an idea of how kind of everyone else plays, you know, and when you go to these bigger junior tournaments, you don't feel out of place when you got a kid from Texas or a kid from Florida, yeah. or whatnot. Um, so now where where are you about located? Um, so I live in Billings, Montana, kind of in the south southeast of montana okay and billings being one of the billings and bozeman right being the two big billings is the biggest state 
in Montana, and it's like the biggest state around, like in Wyoming. It's the biggest state. I mean, the biggest country. I mean, gosh, dang, biggest city in uh in Wyoming. It would be the biggest city in I think North and South Dakota, and like I I'm not Idaho, but uh maybe Idaho actually. Yeah, there's like a hundred thousand people that live in Billings. So now, just by going off of those surrounding states, I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's sparsely populated compared to, let's say, yeah. some of the major metropolitan areas, you know, up and down the eastern seaboard on the west coast or so. Yeah. What's, what's the frequency of, of golf courses near you? I mean, are, are there a ton? Are they private? Are they public? Are there a lot of ranges out there? Yeah, so... um. Every golf course I've been to has a range. Um, I don't really know how to compare to, like, the bigger cities, but we have, I think, in Billings, we have, what, six courses? And I think in three of those are private. So we have three public courses and three private courses. So, and then um, I was in probably every, I would say in every um, town over, like, 10,000 people has a golf course or two. So it's, it, I would say it's pretty good up here for, for golf courses per, um, person. But yeah, I would, it, we have quite a bit up here. And so, you know, like, all right. So to give you an example, like I grew up on Long Island, right? Super heavy populated place. Oh yeah. Playing golf there. I never played in anything less than a foursome. I mean, oh, if really? you were if you were a twosome, like they would wait to pair you up with people before you got out. So my buddy oh. Scott, who I do the podcast with, I, yeah. I mean, we never played alone. And then when I moved to Pennsylvania, I mean, I could get out as a single. We could get out as a twosome or threesome, whatever. You know, uh, they never pair you up with people. Oh, yeah. Is since there's not that many golf courses there. How is the golfing population? I mean, do they come out and support the courses? Is it kind of a rabid fan base? So I don't think I've ever been maybe in a private. I've, I've played a private course before. And I think I got paired with someone there. But besides that, even on the busiest days here, I don't think I've ever been paired with someone. Wow. Yeah. And I, I know for a fact that the golf season is short there, and you referenced that beforehand. And I was fortunate enough to, to stay at Big Sky Resort, and I'd played uh, Big Sky Golf Club or Big Sky Country Club, I don't know which one it is, um, a few times during the stay there. And what I loved, I mean, besides the scenery, which is amazing, and the views and the openness, which is just insane there, was the fact that, you had so many people out there that love the game, but the course yeah. was never crowded. Like every single person that was there seemed like a cool person that I would want to play golf with. Yeah. And I, I think you kind of get that in, in cities and in towns and in areas where it's such a condensed golf season. Like I complain all the time because in Northeast PA, I get about eight months, you know, yeah. I mean, you guys have even less than that. Yeah. So one of my buddies who runs uh, Knocked Stiff Golf on Instagram yeah. and, and YouTube is, you know, an Alaskan. And his yeah. golf season is even shorter. And, and he tells me all the time about how passionate 
the fan bases, you know, yeah. for golf out there. Do you see that the same way in Montana? Oh yeah. So like we we all know, like the golf community all knows each other. They all like you know like they're all friends and they all like each other. You know, so since there's like not a lot of us, we all get along just fine. We all know each other, like what's going on. So it's really great. It's a really great community. And what about the junior golf community there? I mean, I know places in, you know, there's courses in Florida and in Texas and California where they've got junior programs of over, you know, two, 300 kids. But yeah. is, is golf big for youth golfers in Montana? Um, I really wouldn't say so. Um, like if you, if your dad golfs and you probably like, you probably golf, but I would say it's not very big here for those families who don't golf, like out of the sports to try, I would say golf is close to the bottom. Gotcha. So now how did you get into the sport then? Yeah. So none of my family golfs actually. Um, so I was a really big basketball player. And um, I think this was two years ago. Uh, I was a really big basketball player. And my mom wanted me to try something new because I was just basketball, basketball every single day. And I was also a big Steph Curry fan. And as you probably know, he golfs. And I think it was on the TV. Coincidentally, it popped up with him in a golf course. And he was golfing. And I was like, you know what? Steph Curry golfs. Why can't I? So that's why that's why I picked it up. You you might be the first person ever that I've met that a non-professional golfer that's also a professional athlete got you into the sport. I, that's pretty awesome, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's – yeah. Well, when, when, uh, when we send out the promotional stuff for this pod, we're going to have to tag Steph and, uh, <laughs> and see if he replies. You know, yeah. he's got nothing going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So now, how old were you when you got into golf? Um, I was 12, I think, about to turn 13. I, I, I was 12, and obviously that wasn't very long ago, like two years ago. Yeah, so so, so what do you, like handicap-wise, what are you playing off of? Do you know? When I first started? Yeah. I only, I, I didn't have one until probably last summer because I didn't, I didn't need one for any of the tournaments, but I was probably shooting my first son that summer. I was probably shooting around 90, 95. So definitely not very good scores. And then what, and so what are, what are you down to nowadays? Um, I'm shooting high seventies, mid seventies. Okay. So now just realize that there are a ton of old dudes that are going to listen to this, <laughs> that are going to message me on Instagram and be like, oh my God, I've been playing golf for 40 years and I can't break 90. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty awesome, honestly. Um, do you foresee, I know you said you wanted to play high school golf and stuff. Do you foresee mm -hmm. anything past that? Like, could it, are, are you passionate enough about it to, you know, try to go off to play in college and, and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, if I would love to if I if I get good enough. Obviously, um, I would I definitely love the game, and yeah, I would I would do that if I got the opportunity. So now, obviously, you've kind of become enthralled with the game. There's an obvious love there. Um, for for someone that's been playing for two years or so, two three years, 
what kind of gave you the idea to start up a golf only Instagram account and then, you know, also the, the YouTube account, which you're very mm-hmm. active and, and do a ton of swing videos, a ton of contests, a ton of reviews. How did that all come about? Yeah. So, um, obviously when I got into golf, um, I was, I would watch golf videos on YouTube and I, I don't, I must've stumbled across like a golf holics course log. And I was like, that is so cool how they can entertain me for those 25 minutes. Right. And I really love, I love their course vlogs still today. And I was like, no, I want to do this. It looks so cool. And I, yeah, it was, they, they kind of got me into it. Golf Holics, their videos really are really good. It's, it's very cool talking to a junior golfer because the way that you got into golf and the way that you approach golf is completely different than the way I got into golf, which is probably completely different than the way, you know, someone that was 70 years old or so had yeah. gotten into golf when they're a kid. And it's, it's awesome to see how the game is changing and growing with, uh-huh. uh, you know, with the youth. So I got to ask you this because, you know, obviously doing the podcast, um, you know, we reach a lot of people, a lot of people reach out to us and stuff. And I feel like we have a good rapport and a good relationship with a lot of people. But the normal old school golf media hasn't changed. Yeah. Do you read anything on golf? Do you watch it on TV? Like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. And, and so give me, give me your thoughts on, on, on that stuff. Like, give me your thoughts on the way that golf is presented nationally mm-hmm. on TV and stuff. Yeah. And then, and then I want to ask you, you know, about like the social media aspect of it. But yeah. I mean, do you like what, what NBC and CBS is producing nowadays? Do you like, so, I think that they present it to like the seven year olds. I really, do. I think they make it look really boring and really plain. I feel like, I don't know if you've seen this YouTube video, but um, I think it was a golfer's walk. And he had the idea of like, having like Brody Smith or like GM golf on the broadcast and, you know, making, um, announcing it through their eyes and making it more exciting. Like I really think it's, if they present it really, really boring that only the diehard golfers want to watch it and not even like the weekend golfers really want to watch that for an hour, two hours. There's kind of a running joke amongst, you know, guys in their 30s, 40s, and 50s that watching golf on TV is the perfect time to take a nap. Yeah. And and I feel like it's not even a joke. Like, it's reality. It, yeah. It's very difficult for me to watch a golf program, watch a tournament uh-huh. with the announcers. Yeah. And, I, you know, Scott and I complain on this pod all the time about it because, you know, I mean – can I do it better? Well, you know, probably not, but yeah. given enough time, I feel like I could present it in a light that would reach, you know, more people. So it's yeah. really interesting to hear a junior golfer say that because like you're the future of this sport, 20, 30, 40 years from now, you're the one that's going to be pumping out big money for courses and for clubs mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And and we need to make it relevant. Um, so, switch gears 180 degrees and what is it about social media and how they present the game of golf nowadays that you like better yeah so like um brody smith 
he's really animated. You know, he yells in his videos. He's super fun to watch. Um, the GM Gump. He has the Wheel of Not Ideal. He does really fun challenges. And he has these super funny guys on his channel that do super fun challenges. And it's just super entertaining to watch. I'd rather watch two hours of these guys hitting golf hammers with a golf with a golf ball or like paddles or whatever they do than watching pro golfers. It's just it's more entertaining. And they just present it in such... They present it to the young kids. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's super entertaining to watch. Now, have you had the opportunity at all to attend any type of pro golf event? No, I haven't. All right, so my thing is, like, I love going to tournaments. I mean, they're they're yeah. fun as hell. Um, you know, the interaction that you can have with the pros, you don't see that on TV. You get to okay. see everybody, like... You can watch a guy piece his round together. You can watch a guy, you know, shoot 78 and grind out there that you'll never yeah. see on TV. Mm-hmm. And so my biggest thing with the tournaments and the way they're presented on TV nowadays is the fact that we're getting five or six guys. Like the whole narrative oh. is about uh-huh. the top five guys in the leaderboard. And, and I might be a fan of, you know, whoever – that's in 15th place, and, and I kind of want to know how they're doing, but you never get to see it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, and that's, that's what drives me nuts because there's not a jersey that you're rooting for. You're rooting mm-hmm. for an individual. And yeah. if I can't – like, let's say I'm a fan of Ricky Fowler. Okay, uh-huh. granted, he missed the cut this week at, at Honda, but on Friday on the coverage, like, he wasn't shown – and I know he had a bad round, but, you know, give me yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, on social media and whatnot, you can focus in a lot more on those type mm-hmm. of characters and those type of yeah. players. Yeah. All right. So you actually had kind of a little bit of a buildup on your personal Instagram account about a new account that launched on March 1st. Can you give mm-hmm. us a little bit of info on that? Yeah, so um I really like the community side of um social media and just connecting golfers. So I said like launch more of a, a brand. Um it's called the Bogey Bunch. And basically people can send me um videos of them shanking the golf ball, topping it, whatever. Or just funny golf videos, and I'll post that. And already, I think I have, like, 230 followers or whatever um, in, like, a week of it. And the videos, I mean, they're getting commented on a lot. People are sending me videos a lot. And it's just the community side that is so great. And that's why I started that page. Now, is that run just by you? or oh, yeah. Okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah. I don't know if it was you and a bunch of friends or, or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so recently you did kind of, a you know, you do, you do some club reviews, which mm. this is, this is what made me think that you were an older kid that was in golf, because I mean, honestly, yeah. you're pretty insightful with, with some of your information. So give me a little bit, like, give me a breakdown of how you go into filming a video and, and, and what goes into all that. And I guess I'm kind of specifically referring to like the tailor made sim review that you had just yeah. done. Yeah, so um, going into it, I was super excited to test it. 
because um, I've seen all the tour players talking so much about it and hyping it up. So I thought it was, you know, going to give me 20 yards or 10 yards or whatever. Um, and I hit it. I, I have an M1, to the mid M1. That cost me $100, I think. And I see that Tidemate Sims, $500. So I was expecting it to do a lot for me. So I would hit, you know, like 10 shots, whatever. And I would get those yardages. And I put that in the video. And I realized I gained one yard in total with the Sim driver. And that's $400. Like, that doesn't make much sense to me. Okay, so everything you just said there, like, that touches my heart because I cannot stand these companies that just pump out this rhetoric year I, after yeah. year. They, they repaint a driver. It's a tiny bit of an upgrade. Yeah. And it's the greatest thing in the world. Like, it just go out, go to a reputable fitter, get fitted. That is yeah. what is going to increase your distance and decrease your, uh, you know, randomness of shots. You know what I mean? Your groupings yeah. are going to be so much tighter with wedges and, and mm -hmm. irons when you get fit. But, you know, the problem with golfers, and I'm sure even as a young golfer you've seen this, is guys and girls will just be like, okay, here's my problem. That club says it can fix it for 500 <laughs> bucks. Here's 500 oh, yeah. bucks. Yeah. No one wants to put the time in. Yeah. Now, I totally agree. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, uh, it's it's infuriating. Um, and and here's a little industry secret that I'll let people know. So I used to have a TaylorMade Adidas Golf, a T Mag personal account through the driving yeah. range that I work and and teach at, and we would get forty percent off of wholesale pricing. Now wholesale now so this. This is back when like the R11 was out yeah. uh, and wholesale on those clubs, which is the price that the, the big box stores pay to have the clubs is a, mm -hmm. is like 275 or, you know, 280, right? They market up to 400. They make a hundred. So bucks TaylorMade makes a bunch and we're all good. Yeah. So I would get 40% off of like the 250, 280, which means mm -hmm. a brand new driver that was just coming out that was 400 in stores. I'd pay a buck fifty for. Yeah. Now, even with me paying 150 bucks, TaylorMade was still making money off of it. I have a friend that's a TaylorMade fitter now yeah. and does all the demo day stuff. And <laughs> the amount that they pay for those clubs is sickening. You know, it's like 25 to 30 bucks a club that it costs to make. Wow. So you're looking at this enormous upcharge. And, mm -hmm. and that's the reason they do it every single year or even twice a year with these releases just to make yeah. this money. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so happy to hear someone newer to the game and someone younger come out and, and say that as well because hopefully the next generation doesn't buy into this hype. Yeah. Well, trust me, they are. They are, definitely. You know, the, the thing is, too, with these clubs is, is the fact that if the technology was that amazing in a particular club, don't you think every single person would be playing that club? Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, there, there's the USGA sets an industry standard, which you can't go over, you know, the, the coefficient of restitution on the club. Yeah. And so everybody is, is handcuffed at that level. So 
Again, the only way that you're going to find any increase in distance is if you're upgrading a club that's like 10 or 15 years old. Yeah. Or if you're changing to a shaft that's actually going to fit you and your swing perfectly. Uh-huh. Um, now, what's, do you know the flex on, on your driver? Um, it's, a, it's a regular. My irons are stiff, so. Okay, so now I ask that because for people that are going to go listen to this and then go to your YouTube channel or go to your Instagram account, they're going to mm. see a, a golfer with a very smooth rhythmic, ry- excuse me, rhythmic swing. Um, do, you, do you have a coach? Do you get lessons? Or is that just natural? Um, well, I have a coach, but I really, he helps me more with my short game. It's kind of like a short game coach. Um, I don't do full swings with him. So like usually I'll, I've learned enough about my swing over these just past these two years. Um, I've researched enough that I know my faults and I know what I, I know what my swing needs to look like and what it needs to do. And then obviously if I like have no clue, then I'll go get help from my coach. But usually it's all self-taught for me. So that's pretty amazing because, like I said, when people go and and watch it, I mean, Mm -hmm. you kind of have, in my mind, that Ernie Els-esque swing where it's it's real long, it's real smooth, the transition is – is is real nice you know there's no real sharp transition from the the top of the back swing on through so mm-hmm. if if that's natural i mean that's phenomenal man just just stay with that yeah well thank you for the compliment comparing, no, comparing for, me to, yeah comparing <laughs> me to ernie L's can't be too bad no it, it can't be um and you know and part-time i i teach at one of the local driving ranges by uh-huh. me and you know, one of the biggest problems I see all the time is obviously, and you probably see it too, is guys just trying to murder the driver. Mm-hmm. And and people think that in this day and age with, you know, the bomb and gouge and I have to hit it as far as I can, yeah. you know, people people don't realize that you have a rhythmic tendency to everything you do. So people that walk fast, talk fast, are usually like fast swingers. It's a fast transition. But then you have the guys like... Uh, you know, like a Dustin Johnson who kind of just kind of saunters around the course and is just uh-huh. pretty chill all the time. Or like, you know, the Big Easy, Ernie Els or Adam Scott. Those are all laid back guys. Yeah. And their swings mirror that. Now, take, for example, a Justin Thomas or Ricky Fowler. You know, those are dudes who are like, you'd look at them and be like, oh, those guys are hopped up on caffeine. And their swings yeah. mimic that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um Especially Ricky, like with that shorter backswing, and he yeah. just flashes at it. So it's it's pretty cool to see uh, to see a smooth swinging junior out there, which is uh, which is pretty dope. I like that a lot. Um, so listen, I want to get your thoughts on it. I know I've kind of beaten this into the ground as a junior golfer, but it's not often that we have you know junior golfers on the pod because. You know, let's be honest, golf, social media, even that tends to skew older, you know? Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the whole pace of play situation, mm-hmm. um, especially on tour? Yeah, so, I mean, even in my tournaments, I get stuck behind a group or a group, get, and then a group gets stuck behind me. And it does not end up well. 
um, someone ends up getting almost hit or whatever. Um, and on tour, I feel I really feel like they should up the punishment for um, slow play. I really do like a fine or even disqualification if it happens multiple times or whatever. But it's like kind of ridiculous having four what four four and a half hour rounds, and we're not gonna watch all that on TV. Like they need to really kind of crack down on it just a little bit. Well, and you're being generous too. Those four and a half hour rounds oh, are yeah. like on Saturday and Sunday in a twosome. Uh, yeah. you, you get you get players in in groups of three on difficult conditions, and and I've followed groups out there for five plus hours before. So it's brutal yeah. sometimes. Oh yeah. You know the only thing is like when you're so like when 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 I go to golf tournaments, you know. One of the things I like to do is I'll follow a group early in the morning. I'll follow all 18 holes, right, so I can see the whole course. Mm-hmm. And then after seeing the entire course, you kind of pick out two or three areas that might be awesome to watch a few groups come in, and, and, and I'll kind of do that. Um, um, when you're out following, you know, five hours passes pretty quickly because you, you grab a drink, you grab lunch, you catch back up with the group on the next hole, and you get to see a round unfold. But watching, like you said, watching five hours – on TV or so is just, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's not, you can't do it. No, I don't know anybody except for like maybe an obese, you know, oaf that just sits on their couch that can watch for that long. Yeah. They, they have to do something because I feel like that's another reason maybe juniors don't get into it because it's just so slow and it takes so much time. All right, so I, I make you – so I have infinite power, right? And I make you commissioner of the PGA uh, Tour, not uh, for a day, but for, but for as long as you want. Yeah. How are you getting the game into the hands of younger kids? How are you making it cooler for younger kids? Because I think we might be on to something here. Mm-hmm. Well, you definitely have to get the social media stars in there um, and more entertaining personalities. Like Brody Smith or GM Golf or whatever, um, and then also I don't know if you watch the European Tour YouTube channel, but they do the coolest challenges like fourteen club challenge, one club challenge, whatever. And if you look at the PGA Tours YouTube, they only have highlights. Like I feel like it would be really cool. Maybe on like Wednesday before the tournament, you like make the pros on one hole do a driver only challenge or whatever, like Ricky Fowler versus Brooks Koepka or whatever. And you record that, and maybe it's like a we- it's a Wednesday show. So I feel like that'd be pretty cool to reach the younger audience and entertain them. Yeah. So first off, the the European tour just literally kills. Oh yeah. The PGA tour. I mean, just oh destroys them. Like takes like yeah. takes them over their knee and spanks them. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um. You know the only, the problem is. There's just there's no eyes on the European tour. The only thing that the European tour has are those videos. Like yeah. for as many people that watch those videos, you'd think that their tournaments are well viewed and well attended. And and they're not, unfortunately. No. But you're right. I mean, they are just like there's I don't want to say they're smarter minds, but they are definitely more creative minds. Yeah. Now you're, what do you, what do you average off the tee? Do you know? It's leading uh, to yeah. a question. I'm just, I'm not a very far hitter. I hit like 235 on average. I mean, I, I think is a, I think that's 
that's probably more than fine at, at your age. You know what I mean? To be competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, what What's your take on the USGA possibly reining back yeah. distances, you know, especially like with, with the pro game? Yes. Yeah, so I feel a little bit, I feel kind of strong about this. Um, so I posted something on Instagram, well, not post on my story. Um, like about like the club averages for PGA Tour players, and I think the average, yeah, the average um carry was like two seventy, and the average total was about two, was two ninety, and I honestly feel like for like the Zach Johnsons or the Jordan Spieths that if they make the courses larger or if they make the clubs less powerful, whatever, that's only gonna hurt them more, and it's only gonna help like the top like. Bombers like Brooks Kepka's, Dustin Johnson's. That's something that helps them win more because you you don't see Zach Johnson winning anymore. You really don't, or like Jordan Spieth or whatever. And I feel like it's because the Bombers are just taking over. So I love the fact that an eighth grader can understand this, and there are people in the game of golf that can't wrap their head around the concept that no matter what you do roll the ball back, cut back technology, anything. Yeah. No matter what you do, the longer hitters are still going to be yeah. the longer hitters. Yeah. I, there, there's, there's, uh, unless you let Zach Johnson or like Luke Donald, who was in contention this week, play with a Pro uh, V1, and, yeah. and you, you make, you know, <laughs> like Gary Woodland and Brooks Kepka and DJ play with a different ball, they're never, yeah. never going to be equal. Yeah. Why? What is it that that you and I are missing that other people just can't wrap their head around this? Like especially the higher ups. Yeah. Well, I really don't. I feel like there is nothing you can do. Um, because like you said, what are you going to make the short hitters play from up tees? Like, there's nothing you can do. And I just think they're trying to trying to please their fans with trying to change it. And it's it's not it's probably gonna end up bad, but they're trying at least. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there there is a problem. Um, but the problem is that it was let go for so long, you know. And it's yeah. like, uh, you know, in schools and stuff, and at home, your parents probably always teach you that, you know, watch the things that you say because you can never take them back. And uh-huh. and like you've always seen on social media, like that that toothpaste example. Like, let's say the toothpaste were all the nasty things you said about people and you squeeze it all out and they say, okay, take it back now, put it back in the tube. Well, you can't do that. It's impossible. Yeah. We we've done that with distance and technology and golf. We've let it go so far that, you know, I don't believe there's a way to rein it back. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there is either. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, the USGA does and and what the tour does, if anything, in the future uh, with distance. You know, mm-hmm. I personally don't think anything's going to happen. Um, no, if anything, right. if anything does happen, it might be the bifurcation of rules, meaning rules for pros and then rules for amateurs. Is that something that you you'd be for or no? No, I no, I really don't. I think that. They should keep it the way it is because I don't want them to make it worse. So I feel like if they try to change it, they're going to make it worse. That's just the way I feel. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of I can kind of see that. 
um, you know, golf is a game that that moves at a glacierly pace. Yeah. The changes in it do not take hold right away. So yeah. if you change something today, I mean, it might be a decade plus before people start to accept that. Mm-hmm. Um, give give people an idea of of what you kind of have planned in the future for the YouTube and Instagram accounts. Yeah, so um, um, for like videos, content that's gonna be coming up. Like, um, I'm gonna be doing a lot of tournaments this summer, obviously. So like, I'll be showing my practice, the prepping for those tournaments. Um, some tournament vlogs, tournament recaps. And then just, I mean, my dad and I are um, going to be traveling around Montana quite a bit this summer. So, course vlogs. We're going to be playing a bunch of different courses. And I'll throw in some challenges there and maybe some reviews. Very cool, very cool. And what about your personal golf goals for 2020? Yeah, so um, personal golf goals. I, I want to win the junior state championship in Montana. I took... I tied for fifth last year, but I played horrible. So this year, I feel like I have a pretty good shot um, comparing my scores to the other competitors of mine. And then I also, I obviously, I want to be the, I want to be the number one on my varsity golf team. Um, I should be able to do that pretty easy. Um, I would have been that last year if I could start out. Um, and then I just want to keep having fun with golf. And I want to try to get like maybe a friend that doesn't golf golfing. So, yeah. I think those are pretty, uh, pretty admirable goals. Uh, actually real quick before, let me ask you one more thing before we, we get out of here. What's in your bag right now? If you had to do kind of a what's in the bag yeah. segment. So, um, quick plug. I did do that on YouTube. So, um, but I have a TaylorMade M1 driver. Um, I have a three wood that I never hit. And it's a Nike, a Nike covert. Um, I have a seven Wait, wood. It's, it's never been hit or you just don't hit it on the course. I, I don't hit it. I absolutely hate it. Like, I don't even know why I have it in my back. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. I think um, we've all had a club like that. Yeah. So I just hit my seven wood instead, which is like a 10 year old Callaway big birth or something. But that is my favorite club of all time. And is, is that is that, that one of the is that one of the Heavenwoods? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, so. that's awesome. Those were awesome. Yeah, and someone just gave it to me randomly. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. It was ended up so nice. And then for my irons, I have a Mizuno MP18s, uh, four iron through pitch and wedge, and nothing feels like a Mizuno. Um, they're my favorite brand, probably sponsorship. Hopefully, coming soon. Um, Titleist SM, Titleist SM7 wedges, and then I have an Odyssey O-Works putter. Uh, which, which O-Works series is it? You got me there. I have absolutely no idea. Um, okay, because I, yeah, I've got a, a 7S, uh, Black Series mallet, which I'm just absolutely in love with. Yeah, yeah. Mine's a mallet. I don't know what, um, works, though. Um, do you anticipate any club changes in the upcoming year or no? No, I, I just bought all new clubs. Um, yeah, so I don't think so. 
Nice. Well, if if any uh, you know club manufacturers are out there listening, and you want to kind of get on board with a great junior golfer that can give you some exposure out there. My man Ty is is out there and and ready and willing. Um, Ty, go ahead and 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 plug everything: the Instagram accounts, YouTube. How can people? view it how can people get in touch with you how can people follow mm-hmm. you in your junior golf journey yes so um i'm on instagram tyboon underscore golf and then i'm also on youtube um just tyboon golf so there you go people nice and easy so ty i can uh thank you enough you uh, honestly you are wise beyond your years and not just because you agree with me on some topics, but you've got some good points out there to make. So people go check out his Instagram account, uh, check out the bogey bunch, check out his YouTube channel, leave some feedback for him and, uh, you know, help, help support a junior golfer out there who literally is going to be one of the caretakers of this game, you know, for the next gosh, for the next 60, 70 years or so. (laughs) Hopefully. No doubt. All right, but I wish you all the best of luck this year, and uh, I also wish you a very quick spring so you get to some real golf in Montana there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you for having me on the podcast. Of course. All right, people, so either get busy golfing or get busy dying.